Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Dan Perry. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Henry. Happy to be here. Great. I'm looking, looking forward to this conversation. Daniel is going to share how and why he transitioned from a mechanical engineering career to starting a handyman business. And then he's going to share tips and insights on how you can start your own handyman small business. And he's also got a special offer for us on his proven handyman business training courses and tools. So be sure to listen for that or go to the show notes page. And if you want to receive more information about the how of business and the show notes page for this episode, just visit thehowofbusiness.com. So Daniel Perry is an engineer uh, who turned entrepreneur. He left his mechanical engineering job back in 2011, and we'll explore that in this conversation. And when he left that job, he started a successful handyman business. And then after he got very proficient of that and was sharing how he would do things, he launched an online training business that helps other handymen start and grow their small business. Daniel started his handyman business despite having zero business experience, minimal home repair experience. And as he says, he had no idea what he was doing. So not having any experience led to a real struggle to get started. And he made all kinds of mistakes, but he kept at it. He interviewed other successful business owners, read books, studied psychology, and learned wherever and whenever possible. And within just six months, he was able to replace his engineering job income. Daniel has also been sharing what he has learned on his website. And as I said, he offers a comprehensive online course and other materials to help you launch a successful handyman business. Daniel lives in Reno, Nevada. So once again, Dan Perry, welcome to the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, excited to share some hopefully helpful content for people. And as I was reading that, I was thinking, okay, maybe I should clarify. It's not just handy men. It can also be handy women, right? So anybody can do this. We're just using that general term. So please don't oh, get offended by that. <laughs> absolutely. I'm sure you've had plenty of women who have become uh, handy people or handy persons, right? Yeah, for sure. And they love it. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, all right. So let's start at the beginning, as I usually like to do. You, as I mentioned, got a mechanical engineering degree and then had a career as an engineer, correct? Yeah. So I worked as an engineer for about three and a half years and, you know, I got that job right out of college and I was kind of, you know, excited to finally get done with the stress of school and, you know, coast it out and with my new career <laughs> that was going to, you know, take me into the sunset. And pretty much the first day of that job, I realized I don't like working at a desk and it was uh -huh. a very long day and I stuck it out for three and a half years, but finally, you know, I started having health issues from the stress and just not moving my body at all. And I was just like, I had to do something. And so I had to quit. Did you, did you feel this was going to be an issue when you were in college or did you really not foresee that at all? I had no idea. You know, I just, I was just told like, I basically got into engineering because I was good at math. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was like, all right, that sounds good. They make good money. It's a respectable career. I'll do that. I just, you know, just ignorance. You, uh, if I got it right, did granite installation, well, I guess probably to help you get through school, right? Yeah. So I had a couple jobs in school that, you know, gave me a sense of working with my hands and what right. that felt like. Mm -hmm. So I knew the difference when I quit that job installing granite to go work in a desk. Did you, so did you have, what were you thinking that, so did you, did you start the handyman business first and then transition or just quit and then figure out what to do? I was in a really desperate situation. Honestly, I really hated my job. I was very stressed. I was having some health issues, like I mentioned. And so I didn't know what I was going to do, but I decided to just quit and figure it out. I had some money saved up. I had, you know, I could live for a year as long as I kept it, like it kept things tight. And I figured, I was like, I, I know I can figure something out that's better than this. And so I quit. And then I started my handyman business about six or seven months after I quit. Did people in your life think you were crazy for quitting the, the career? Or did they, did they understand what you were going through and the need to have to leave that? Uh, both. You know, my, like my, my girlfriend, she's my wife now at the time. Like she was very supportive because she 
she knew the situation. Uh, you know, a lot of my family, I think kind of looked at me like, what are you doing? Like, like that's not going to work, you know, but it worked out. They might've figured out, he'll go back to it once he, once he gets healthier, maybe. And that was my thought is like, I could always go get another job. I didn't burn any bridges. You know, I still had three and a half years of engineering experience and a degree. So I'm like, worst case scenario, I go back and get another job somewhere else. Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective, especially when you're at that age, that's exactly kind of the question I ask people to, to, to ask themselves, what's the worst case scenario. And again, in your worst case scenario, you'd go get another job, right? Exactly. So the fact that you had done some uh, handyman granite installation work, is that what led you to explore this handyman business? Yeah. I mean, the, the way I found it out was I was reading careers for dummies, trying to figure <laughs> out what I was going to do with my life. Uh, you know, and just the handyman business, I saw it and I was like, I don't know, you can't make money being a handyman. Like that's no, you know, that's, you can't do that. That doesn't work. And so I kind of threw it away. And then like the idea kept reemerging and I, I was just like, well, I get to work with my hands. I'm not going to be in the office. I'm going to control my schedule. I could start right now. You know, I've been doing these home repairs around my house and I'm pretty good at them. I definitely was no expert, like, but I, you know, I'd watch YouTube videos and figure it out and I would do a pretty good job and people would compliment me. So I was like, maybe I should give it a shot. So that's how I started the handyman business. When you were doing those kind of projects and even back to when you were doing granite installation, there must've been something that triggered in you. God, I, I enjoy this. I, I feel like I'm in my, as people say, in their zone of genius, even though it's counterintuitive because it's not something that was a career at that point. It wasn't something you went to college for, but nonetheless, it felt good when you were doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been pretty good working with my hands. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty like, I'm, I'm good with math. I'm good with, um, you know, spatial reasoning and like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So working with my hands has always been something. It just feels good, you know? Right. I'm going to come back to that because one of the things I want to explore later is what, what kind of skills or personality make for a good handyman. But you also shared, as I read in the bio, you had zero business experience. You had minimal home repair experience, just the stuff projects you had done before, although you did have this experience in college as a granite installer. So that's not trivial. But as you said, you had no idea what you were doing. Where did you find the confidence or maybe just the courage to go and give this a try anyway? You know, there was a lot of self-doubt involved in it, but when you're up against a wall, when you don't have any income and you're basically like, well, it's, I'm either going to do this or I'm not, you kind of, I just kind of tried it. I was like, well, I can start out doing services that I know how to do. And then what I would do is like some, I remember one customer called me for a fence repair and I had no idea. I'd never done a fence repair. I'd never replaced a fence post. It was broken. And so what I did, I went out there, I quoted it. I talked to her, took some pictures of it so I can re reference those later. And then I went home and I watched like a dozen YouTube videos and I got on forums and read about how they do it and kind of figured it out. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I could do this job. So then I would, uh, write up a quote about how long it would take me to do it, which was always an underestimate, unfortunately. <laughs> but then I would give the quote and then sometimes I would land a job and then I would do the job. And I was basically learning how to do a lot of these projects while being paid for them. Uh, so it was kind of interesting like that. And I just like, after I'd done that with my own home, right. Cause I would, you know, my door would need to be replaced. So I'd be like, I got to figure this out. So I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd do it. And I'd be like, that wasn't so bad. And it kind of built my confidence over time doing projects on my own house, I guess. Yeah. It did just definitely talk about learn on the job. Did you give yourself any kind of a time frame for, all right, I'm going to give this X amount of time and see if it works. Otherwise I'll go do something else. Uh, no, I, I wasn't thinking that advanced yet. I would probably do that now, but not then. Okay. But yet six months later, there you were replacing, having replaced your income that you were making as an engineer, right? Yeah. So it actually worked out really well because I had, before I started my handyman business, I was trying to start an online business and I bought this oh. course about how to, how to do an online business. And I was going through it and I got stuck on this part of choosing your niche. And I was like, I have no idea. Like, what's my niche going to be? I, I have nothing to teach. I, what am I going to do? So 
I ended up saying, okay, well, I'm gonna start a handyman business. And, um, but I had learned a whole bunch of online marketing in the court, in the process of that. And a lot of marketing in general and identifying your ideal customer and all these things. And I applied all that to my handyman business, kind of running a modern handyman business. And that was extremely helpful. Hmm. And that's really what helped me start so fast because, you know, I looked really young, even though I was 28 when I was doing it, a lot of, a lot of people thought I was a teenager, <laughs> like customers honestly thought I was a teenager. And it was so, and even my friends didn't really want to hire me. Okay. They, Interesting. I told my friends I was starting this handyman business and they continued to hire their other handyman just because I didn't have that credibility yet. Right. All I had done was repairs on my own home. And they're kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't really trust you to do this. So I had to figure out a way to differentiate myself. And luckily I had this tool in my back pocket of how to build an online business. And I just applied that to my handyman business and it, it just really worked out for me. And I also, you know, focused on other important things like doing a good job when somebody hired me. So I'd get good reviews. You know, right. that's, you, you gotta do a good job if you're going to build a handyman business for sure. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. There's referrals, but so we're going to, we'll dive deeper into the marketing, but since it's top of mind here and I don't want to forget it, this, this issue of being perceived as too young, not having authority, not having experience, what are your, as you think back to it, what are some of the general ideas you could share that really apply to any person who's young starting a business where people are going to judge them? How did you begin to overcome that? I mean, is it, is it, is it the, the online marketing presented an image that was more mature? Just give me some insights on how you overcame that. So my whole goal was to give the perception that I was an established business. Okay. And I did that through things like designing a logo, building a website that looked professional. And like, you know, if you look back at that website now, you're like, wow, that looks terrible. But <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, it was a good website. Right. And no, a lot of handyman didn't even have websites then. Like there was very few handyman who had had a website. Uh, and so I've made everything look really professional. I put decals on my truck. I got a uniform and I put my logo on the, I had it stitched on my uniform and my hat. And I just tried to present myself as professionally as possible. And, you know, as you probably know, psychologically, you know, you see, you see a doctor wearing a, a white lab coat and a stethoscope and you, you immediately give that person a certain amount of authority. Right. And that's essentially what I was doing and it worked. And yeah. people, people thought I was like part of a franchise. They, when I showed up at the door, they probably just thought I was the handyman that the owner was hiring in a lot of cases, not everyone, but for sure. Some people did. And yeah, it just, a... yeah. So that's really what worked for me. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. It's so practical and seems so obvious, but like you said, most people don't think to do that. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what, like you said, it's so brilliant that from a perception perspective, enough of the people, it wasn't even a question that came up because they just assumed you were part of a larger organization and therefore it wasn't an issue. Yeah. So I got my authority through that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. It wasn't Excellent. just on me and my skills. That's right. Yeah, that's that makes right. sense. Yeah. 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 All right. So before we dive into it, I'm always curious. Now you've been a business owner now, how many years now? Since 2000, uh, what did we say? 2011 it was? So, yeah, I'm just just under a decade. Yeah, which is a lot of experience now. What would you say being your, your own boss, being a business owner, what does it do for you? Well, it gives me control. And for me, that's essential. Like if I have to show up nine to five every day and it's there's fresh powder in the mountains, I'm going to be in agonizing, like I'm just going to be in pain sitting there at my desk in my office. So being able to have the control to say, okay, I'm going to take today off and I'm going to go take my mountain bike up in the mountains, or I'm going to go snowboarding, or I'm going to spend some time with my family, or I'm just really tired. I need a break. Like I'm going to take some time off. That's that for me is one of the most important things. And the other thing is just um, leverage, right? If you're going to build wealth, working for somebody else isn't the way to do that. You know, you can, you're going to have to work a lot of hours in order to get that leverage to where you can make more income in less time. Well and, said. Yeah. Were these things that were 
maybe you weren't able to articulate it, but they were part of what was eating at you when you were sitting in that desk or that cubicle or whatever it was. Well, I read uh, a friend of me gave me a book called The Four Hour Work Week. I'm sure mm -hmm. you've heard of it by Jim sure. Ferris. Yep. And once I read that book, I was already unhappy with my job, but that book showed me that something else was possible, that there are these people running businesses and just loving life with all kinds of freedom. And I was stuck in my job, not making nearly as much money and hating it. And ever since I read that book, it was just like, I have to do this. That's wild. And I don't really look at that as an, a really good goal now of like trying to, you know, have passive income and not do anything and just sit on the beach all day. Like, I don't really look at that as a very good goal. But at the time, <laughs> I thought that if I didn't do that, I was basically wasting my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people who have not read the book interpret it as that that's all it means is you'll sit on the beach and somebody else does work for you. It's about this, like you said, what it did for you is it, it painted for you a different reality that you could make happen where you are more leveraged, as you put it, and have the flexibility to do the things you want to do and still have a business that generates income for you. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, let's define, I want to start by defining, I think everybody knows what a handyman business is, but everybody maybe has a different definition. What, how do you define a handyman business? Well, there's a lot, it, it, it's kind of a broad category, but typically it's somebody who offers a wide variety of small repairs and improvements to homes. So that's things like fixing fences, drywall repairs, door repairs, window repairs. In some states, you can do plumbing and electrical um, but it's usually smaller jobs. Like usually the job is going to be a thousand dollars or less, but sometimes, you know, handyman will offer big kitchen remodels too, but it's really kind of like a one-stop fix it all kind of business where a customer will hire you, will call you again and again for a variety of different repairs. And you're kind of a generalist in a way. And as you mentioned, and again, you know, everybody listening, you got to be careful with what jurisdiction you're in. In some states, you might have to be an electrician. You may have to have a GC license to pull a permit. You know, it just depends. So that's why typically the handyman business are these smaller jobs that don't require necessarily the level of a, an electrician or a plumber or an HVAC specialist. It's all of those other honeydew kind of list things that people don't want to do themselves or can't do themselves, right? Exactly. And that was one of the things that almost stopped me from starting my business was I was looking up what I can and can't do. I see. And in my state, Nevada, I am not allowed to do any jobs over a thousand dollars. This is I'm not a limit on it. Interesting. Yeah. I can't do any electrical. I can't do any plumbing. I can't do any HVAC or anything else that requires a license to do or that needs a permit to do. So I was like, well, what else is there? Like, <laughs> People are going to hire a handyman and I'm going to say, I can't do a electrical. They're going to be like, all right, well, get out of here then because we need somebody who can do everything. And so I almost didn't get started because of that, but I did anyway. And I found that it's actually very profitable to offer those services that fit within those restrictions. And I have found that the electricians, the plumbers, the GCs, they don't want to do those smaller jobs. That's not profitable for them. Yeah, not not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, do you uh, just to go off on this tangent? Do you refer business when there is a, an electrical need or a plumber need? Do you do you have a network of people that you refer that business to? Yeah, that's definitely a good idea. I try to keep a list of referrals for each kind of individual thing because there's a lot of stuff that I can do that I just don't because I don't like to do. Right. So I'll still refer those just, you know, just to try to help people. Yeah. So I'm not just like, oh, go figure it out yourself. You know, you become a resource for that homeowner beyond just what you can directly do for them. Absolutely. All right. You started this full time, but I imagine a lot of your students, the people that learn from you on how to do this business started as a side hustle. Is that fair? Yeah, it's actually a really good side hustle. I currently do it on the side. So I have my handymanstartup.com where I teach other people how to start a handyman business. And that's, uh, that business is, can sustain my income just fine. I don't need to do handyman services anymore, but I do them part-time a few days a week just because I enjoy it. And I like to get out and fix stuff. And it just feels really good to go out, help somebody. They need your help. You fix something for them and they hand you money with a smile. 
<laughs> and there's just nothing better than that for me. Yeah. So I still do it because I like it. I mean, there's that satisfaction. It happens to be, I happen to be pretty handy. So I do a lot of stuff around the house. There's that satisfaction of seeing something physical, tangible that you've completed, right? Totally. And then when somebody pays you for that <laughs> on top of it, right? it's just a, it's just a, like, it just triggers something psychologically. And it's just like, I'm on top of the world at that point, you know, it's interesting. I could make, I could do a big product launch for one of my courses, make a whole bunch of money really fast and not feel as good as I made making, you know, $200 for mounting a TV to the wall. It's yeah, just, that goes it's to weird. show you how much you enjoy and need that doing something with your hands, something physical with your hands. Totally. And the, you know, the interesting thing is a lot of the people that I teach, a lot of the people I help start their businesses, they're also old engine, they're retired engineers, or mm. they had an engineering job that they hated, but they're mechanically inclined and they quit their jobs. They start a handyman business. And they never look back. They love it. They love it because you're working with people. You're doing something different every day. You're, you know, it's not the most profitable business. You're not going to make a million dollars a year doing handyman services by yourself unless you want to scale it up and hire people. Right. At that point, you're working a desk job. But just the overall satisfaction of it, and you still can make a six-figure income. It's, okay. it's just a great, it's just a great business. Yeah. All right. So we've been touching on it. So what are some of those personality, again, we're generalizing, but what are those personality types or backgrounds or skills that tend to make for a good a person who is going to do well with the handyman business? Obviously you mentioned the mechanically, uh, the mechanical kind of leanings. I think that's got to be critical. You mentioned early on that you have good spatial reasoning and I can see where that comes into play to envision how this goes and why I have to measure and be able to visualize it. Uh, you, you have to have some desire and ability to work with people because obviously you are facing the customer, you're in their homes. You, typically, this is like you said, a, a, you're alluded, alluded to a one person operation. So you're doing both the sales and the delivery. Uh, what else do you see is one of those things that, that leads to being successful in this business, character or personality or skills wise? Yeah, well, I think you nailed it on the head with everything you mentioned. And in addition to that, you kind of like a well-rounded person who has, like, you can communicate decently well, and you can also figure, you can problem solve and do things like that. And kind of just, you can talk to customers, but at the same time, you can, you can solve the problem and fix it, right? Where you've kind of just a jack of all trades in a way. And then outside of that, it's probably your ability to maintain self-motivation and mm. to get yourself to do things because, you know, sometimes it's like, well, I can sit here and watch this TV show or I can spend an hour working on my marketing, which is going to improve my income later. Or, you know, you might have 10 quote requests from customers that you need to follow up with. And you might just be like, I don't really feel like doing that right now. And if you're not motivated enough to do the things, because nobody's telling you, hey, go do this. Like, if you don't do this, you're in trouble. You're fired if you don't answer this customer. So if you're not self-motivated like that, then you're probably not going to do very well in business in general, right? Agreed. That's such a, a huge point, Dan, mm -hmm. it, it, that I see that as a big challenge. So are there any, I don't know if you were challenged with that. I know I have been at times, I think we all are when we become uh, our own boss initially, because like you said, there's nobody telling, I remember when I first started working, there's nobody telling me I can't go watch Jerry Springer. So let me go watch some Jerry Springer because it's yeah. entertaining, right? Yeah. So were there any techniques that you applied to keep yourself motivated? Yeah, for sure. And I've developed them. A lot. I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to master my own behavior because sometimes I just, you know, fall victim to the same things that everybody else falls victim to. You know, like if you see an ice cream cone sitting on the on the counter, <laughs> it's really hard not to eat that. You right. know, a piece of cake or a cookie, it's really not hard hard to eat that. You know, and I'm a believer that you're a product of your environment. So for me, it's all about setting up my environment. So that whatever behavior I want myself to do happens inevitably. And accountability is an essential part of that. So I'll intentionally install accountability into my work week. And I'll do things like 
I'll say, okay, Amy, here's a list of the things I'm going to do over the next three months. If I don't do these, then I'm going to sell my e-bike and I'm going to give you all the money to do whatever <laughs> you want with it. You know, yeah. something that I don't want to right. happen. Like exactly. I give myself some sort of accountability. Otherwise I fall victim to my natural tendencies, which don't always improve my life. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. The other approach, and I'm sure you do some of this as well, is I talk about this a lot, which is to manage your schedule, to time block. So especially those tasks that none of us like, like, I don't know, invoicing or whatever it might be, or the back office stuff, blocking that time out and and making sure that you have the discipline to follow through on it instead of keep putting it off, keep putting it off, keep putting it off. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And, you know, I think it's a matter of finding what works for you too, because I could tell you what works for me and you could try it and it won't work at all and it won't do anything for you, you know? So it's really like understand yourself and just try to work with that. Yeah. Well said, but what I have found is what people need is ideas like the ones that you're sharing. And then exactly like you said, you want to try that and see if it works for you. However, it can be very easy for me to try something for a week and say, oh no, this doesn't work for me, right? It takes time to develop new habits. And so we have to be careful not to throw something out because it's awkward or new to me. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, yeah, you test it. That's where accountability comes in, right? You say like, I'm going to test this for this long. If I don't do it, then something negative happens. Yeah. Were you always that personality type that you, you were kind of self-disciplined or self-motivated? Was that who you were when you were younger? Uh, Well, no, because... I was always plugged into the system, right? I, I had my teachers and my my parents saying, here's the clear definition of success and here's the positive reinforcement for doing it and the negative reinforcement for not doing it. And so when you're in that context, when you're in that environment, everything is set up to, for, to help you take action. And for me, that was enough for me to take action. It wasn't until I gained some freedom with my own business and especially once my businesses started doing well, where I really had to figure out how to manage my own behavior. Wait, you know, because like, yeah. like Tony Robbins says something really good. Like, you don't get what you want. You get what you must have, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, if, you, if your mind perceives something as it, this has to happen. I don't have a choice. You're going to go do it. You're going to do those things. But if you're, as soon as your mind perceives it as an option, it's going to be easier to fall victim to like, instant gratification. Like, Oh, I'd rather watch this TV show. Oh, I'd rather just go eat something. I'd rather go ride my bike than do this thing that I know is going to improve my life later. Um, but when you have accountability, when your teachers, your bosses, your parents are saying, I'm going to slap you on the wrist. If you don't do this, it's like, for some people, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. very well said. I love that. That's great. And, and again, and that's that's where a coach can come into play, a mentor, peers. In your case, it's your wife that helps you with that. And so that is such a huge takeaway, Dan. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Right, can you give me a range on how much I should plan for that I need to have money-wise to get started in this business? So if you're going to start just a one-man handyman business where you're going to be doing the services, you can expect to spend between two and $5,000 probably over the course of the first year to get started. So it's very approachable. And that's, and, that's in tools and equipment. And, and is that what we're talking there that's, and everything that's, else to get set up? Yeah. So that's going to include things like getting a business license, getting some business cards, um, setting up your bank account, uh, maybe meeting with an accountant to help you with your books. So you don't have to deal with that setting up a website, getting uniforms, logos. Um, most of the time, somebody who's going to do this business is going to have the tools already. They're mm. going to they're gonna be somebody like you that does home improvements and home repairs. So they're going to have a lot of basic hand tools. So they might have to spend like, let's say they need um, a table saw and they don't have a table saw. Well, they're probably not... You don't need to go out and buy a table saw because you might need one later. You just wait until you have a project that absolutely requires a table saw. And then you buy a table saw at that point. So you kind of build it as you go. Right. But And, and so yeah. I would take on projects, uh, perhaps initially, that don't require that. Is that right? Or wait till I have a job lined up to go get that tool. Exactly. And that's how I did it. It's just I started out with tools that I felt like I needed to have. Like, obviously, you need a drill, screwdriver, 
you know, certain things like scissors or pliers and a box knife, that kind of stuff. And then, um, which I also have a complete free um, article that lists all the tools that I currently carry as a handyman that you can find on my website. But um, yeah, it's mostly stuff like insurance, you know, getting your business set up, those kind of costs. But some people start with their, you know, some people start with like minivans, like they don't have a work truck. So they just work out of their minivan or some people work out of a sedan. Some people permanently work out of a suburban for their handyman vehicle. So you can really use whatever you have, get started part time and kind of scale it up in whatever fashion you want. Or you can go all out, get a nice uh, work van, deck it out with tools and, you know, hit the ground running. It's really whatever works for your situation. Right. But I love the approach, as we talk about very often on this show, of scaling up over time. However, I think it's good to go back to the point you made about what you did early on at a necessity because of your age or the perceived age of looking professional. I think you want to at least do those basic things. And that does not cost much money to get yourself a professional, you know, polo shirt or whatever it was and business cards and a nice logo that doesn't cost all that much money. But I think that is critical to spend on those kinds of things. Totally. And, and like you've mentioned earlier, having a mentor or some sort of system to follow, like it, you could really shoot yourself in the foot trying to be too frugal and trying to keep costs too low. And that just ends up slowing you down and causing you all kinds of mistakes that you could have just avoided by just investing a little bit of money or time into things like that, like you mentioned, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing you help people with now is pricing. So I want to explore that topic. And you alluded to it initially, you were probably quoting yourself way under and not making enough profit or something you thought was going to take you an hour ends up taking you three hours. And there goes that job's profitability, not to mention the impact mm -hmm. on the job you're supposed to be at next. So how did you begin to get a handle on that and how to price things the right way? That was a, that was one of the biggest challenge is it took me about three years in business to get my pricing somewhat dialed in. And then when I finally, the way I got it dialed in was I sat down and I was like, I'm going to create a resource for pr how to price your services for handyman. And so I started interviewing other people. I started reading books on psychology, the psychology of pricing. I started looking at what other businesses were doing. I started hiring other service providers of bigger companies like HVAC companies and plumbing companies and tried to kind of like, what are they doing? How, how are they positioning their pricing? How are they packaging their services? And I wrote a book on <laughs> how to price your services. And that book did extremely well. And it definitely helped me give instantly boost my money. Cause the thing about the interesting thing about pricing is a small shift in how you price your services can instantly boost your profits with zero extra effort. And what is that doing. shift? What, what, what are we talking about there? If you could give me a little bit more. So most people who start a handyman business, they'll undercharge, right? They'll start yeah. with something like, I'm going to start with $40 an hour. And, and that's because in part, because I think that that's the way I'm going to get new clients. I don't have any experience, but people hire me because I'm the cheapest. That's sometimes is the mentality I see. Exactly. Pricing is marketing. And I always say, never use your pricing strategy for marketing purposes. You know, if, if cost is your main benefit, then you're always going to be a cheap labor handyman. Right. Like and that's it's a, it's a spiral to the bottom, right? Yeah. It's not a good idea. If you're selling, if you're selling at scale, like Walmart, you want to be the cheapest, but if you're selling something that is very limited, like your time, you do not, you want to get as much for your time as you possibly can. Right. But most people, one of the mistakes they make is they ask themselves when they're quoting a job, how much would I be willing to pay for this? And that is the absolute worst question <laughs> you could ever ask yourself because you are not your ideal customer and you would never hire a handyman to do that project. That's why you're handy in the first place because you did it yourself because you were too frugal to pay somebody. Yeah. And that's brilliant because that, that's what gets us down this incorrect path of thinking, all right, well, I got to price it at a price point that I would think it's a no brainer, but that's the wrong question. It's the wrong person to ask that question of. 
it is, yeah, you're the worst person to consult with on how much you should charge. And um, you, you yourself, not, not you right. Yeah. And yeah. Henry Lopez. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so, exactly. So like here, here's an interesting story that people might find surprising. So last night I um, called a customer who requested a quote on my website and she wanted to have some pictures hung. She has three pictures that she wants hung along her stairwell. And, you know, normally when I did this, when I started, I would say like, oh man, three pictures, like that's not very much, <laughs> maybe like 40 bucks. I don't know, like how much should I charge? But now I have a minimum service charge. Mm. And I said, I told her, I was like, well, I have a minimum service charge. It's going to be $197 for me to come out and do that. Um, if you have other projects that I can handle while I'm there, that's great. But otherwise it's going to, you know, that's a minimum. And so basically she said, sweet, thanks. When can you come out? I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that it's worth your time. So there's customers out there who just like, like I personally would never pay $175 or $197 to have three pictures on. But I'm not my customer. I'm not my ideal customer. I'm not serving people who are handy. I'm serving people who have more than enough money. And what they're limiting, limited in is time or skill. Right? Absolutely. They're willing to pay a lot more than I would. So that's right. And I think it's brilliant where you added in the what, you know, what else is there that I might, I forget how you phrase it, might be able to do for you. In other words, you immediately answered for me was like, well, shoot, is it going to, how long is it going to take him to hang these three pictures? So that was a brilliant component of it, but you're absolutely right. And if I had balked and said, oh my God, that's way too expensive. Then, okay, I, I understand. Then I'm not the right service provider for you. That's all. There are people yeah. out there though, that will pay what your time and value is worth. Exactly. This is such a huge point of identifying your target customer and understanding what motivates them. Is that, is that something I know you, you know, you did a lot of reading about psychology and about pricing. When did that come to you that you needed to have a very clearly defined target client? Well, when I would go, you know, one customer would hire me to fix their gutters. I would be there for two hours. I would charge $40 because <laughs> they, you know, they talked me down on the phone and then another customer would pay me, would ask me when I was going to raise my rates. Cause I was charging too little. And they'd say, yeah, you could charge at least 60 bucks an hour. Um, and you know, these are people who are paying me. They're, they're, they're paying me $40 an hour and they're telling me they're like, Hey, you're undercharging. You could charge more. And, um, and I realized I was like, Oh, so some customers are going to give me a bad review because I charged them too much when I spent, when I spent two hours there and they only made 40 bucks and other people are going to like give me extra money because they want to see me succeed. It's, it's very weird. And so you yeah. realize like everybody has a totally different perspective on what is worth investing in. And you can see that with everything from food to hotels, you know, you could spend a thousand dollars a night easily to stay at the four seasons or you can find somebody who's like going to spend all day just to save $30 on a hotel. You know, it's just who are the people that you want to work for as a handyman? Yeah. Well said. Well said. Okay. So the challenge though, and the next question I want to ask you is related to that with not dropping my price initially is how, how did, how do you get started? Can you give me just a couple of ideas on for someone who is listening and saying, yes, I want to give this a try. How do I start landing those first clients? Well, there's, there's some ways that are going to be like instant gratification ways that are going to be not quite as good. So like one way is if you wanted to test it out, you could go on Craigslist, you could post an ad for handyman services and you'll get some customers there. They might not be the best customers. You might not get a ton of customers, but that's an easy way, almost free. It's very cheap to advertise on Craigslist and you'll get some business and you can test out the waters. Now, if you want to approach this business seriously and start attracting the kind of customers that you're really going to enjoy working for, then what I, what I always recommend is to focus on optimizing your online presence. So build a website, do some basic SEO, get some online reviews on some of the more important online directories. And if you do those things, you'll start to see jobs just pour in. But that takes a little bit of time, though, Dan, for that to kick in. So 
Are you okay with me going the Craigslist route just to get this thing started and start generating some revenue or, or Absolutely. not? Okay. I, so, so in addition to, so if you're going to start, if you're serious about starting your business, you're like, this is, I'm pretty sure what I, this is what I want to do. You're going to build, you're going to build and optimize that online presence. And like you said, it doesn't happen instantly. You're not just going to get instant results. But in the meantime, you can do things like pay for leads. And there are a lot of companies out there. One of the, one of the more popular ones is Angie's List. Right. Or one of the other ones is Home Advisor. And you've probably seen ads for them. Mm-hmm. And how that works is a customer goes to their website. They fill out some information on the job that they need done. And then Home Advisor sells their contact information and the job description to three to five um, handyman or cons- contractors or whatever, whoever offers that service. And they sell those for like 20 to $50 per lead. And at that point, you have the opportunity to contact them and try to sell yourself. And you're kind of competing with those three to five other people. Right. And so that's a way to get instant, instant customers coming towards you. Yeah. And it's good practice on your pitch and on quoting and all of that good stuff, right? Yeah. It's just expensive. It's frustrating and annoying. It, it works. It will, but it's not something you want to deal with long-term for right, sure. Right. It's that just kind of like get you kickstarted. Yeah. All right. Let me take a shift here. Technology, uh, obviously, you know, we've talked about all the online stuff, but how, uh, give me some examples of how you've applied technology to help you be more efficient. Well, let me, let me take this step back. Is it just you? Do you have any assistance? Does your wife involved in the business? Tell me about what your team looks like. Uh, it's just me. So it's just me hundred percent. I just set it up. I rely on technology a lot. Yeah. So tell so, me about that. Um, basically I have my, I have my kind of, I call it an automated lead funnel. It's where I get all my new customers and I basically point everybody to my website and then to a quote request form and they fill out a quote request form. And then depending if, if they live in this, the area that I service, which is just a small, it's a few area codes within my city. Um, and they're requesting services that I offer, then I'll contact them. I'll call them back usually within a day or two and schedule the job. If they want to go with it, I'll give them, I'll give them an estimate over the phone. Right. So like, I'm not, I don't answer the phone at all. I never answer my hand, my business phone. I get too many spam calls. It's just not worth it. So I basically use technology to do that. And that all happens automatically. I'm not sitting there you know, doing anything online to get those customers anymore. I'm not paying for anything. It's just, I've set up a system that I teach in one of my courses to generate consistent leads reliably like that for free. And so that's what happens. So then I call them, I schedule it and, you know, I rely on things like software on my phone. I basically run my business from my phone for the rest of the way. I can take credit card payments through my phone. I can, you know, I, I manage all my customer information on an app on my phone and I just really, it's, it's very simple. Do you, you, so you're okay with any leads that you might miss out on because you're not answering the phone live? Totally. I mean, and that's, that's kind of like the, the world in general, right? Like it's kind of like a philosophy on life for me is like, if you're trying to if you're operating your life based on a fear of missing out, you're going to be, you know, chasing after a lot of, a lot of things that are wasting your time. Right. Like, so if instead I have more than enough leads coming in to keep my schedule full. And if I'm, if I lose some of those, or if somebody's not willing to deal with filling out my contact form, then that's okay. Would you, you, but, but you are. Early now, of course, because you're established now. Early on, did you do it that way as well, or did you answer every call? Every call. Answer yeah, if you're trying. If you're trying to get started, answer every call. Right. But now sure. that you're at this point where your business is a machine, now that lead generation is a machine. You have a reputation. You're established. People know you. People refer you. Now you can make this technical funnel work for you, so that you're not having to do those things that are time consuming. Yeah. And so, it, you know, and those are the things that take all the fun out of the business. Like right. I like doing the repairs, right? I don't like constantly answering the phone and, you know, telling people, Oh, I don't service your area. Oh no, I don't do that repair. Like, I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. So 
All right. I want to touch on some other common mistakes. We've mentioned some of them. And one of them that you alluded to here, I think is so huge, Dan, that a lot of people in these types of service businesses, I find make a mistake, especially in their, if they're in a larger city. You know, so I, I used to live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I'd hear people saying, oh, we're, we're, we're covering the entire DFW area. If you call me, I'm going. And we're talking about an expansive area that could take two hours to get from one end to the other. And so it sounds like what you've done is, is brilliant is very limited geographic area that you stick to. Is that correct? Yeah. And yes, absolutely. And just like you mentioned earlier with the phone call thing is like, I started out with a bigger area. Sure. Like I, would, <laughs> I would drive a little further for a job. I would, you know, do a job for a little bit less money. I would work for a customer that maybe wasn't ideal just because, you know, when you don't have an abundance of work, you're a little more desperate. Right. But as time goes on, and if you invest your time in a way that helps build these systems, like a marketing system like I built and, you know, optimizing your pricing and figuring that out and setting up your business properly, then you do eventually and very quickly get to the point where you can say, I'm not going to drive more than 15, 20 minutes to get to a job. It's just not worth it. Brilliant. You have a download. I'm going to put a link on the show notes page of the How a Business to this download that Dan has called Three Common Handyman Business Mistakes. And it's a free download. So I encourage you to go get that. There'll be a link on the show notes page to this episode. All right, we'll start to, to wrap it up here. But if I'm thinking of getting started, I, I think it's a rhetorical question. I think where I would start is this special offer that we're going to chat about that you have for these courses that you offer. So let's just get into that, Dan. Tell us about this bundle that you've put together of programs and content to help me start a handyman business. What's included? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I put together a bundle just for the How of Business listeners. So this is specific to this podcast. And uh, basically I have three courses that I offer at handymanstartup.com. One is a startup guide. It's an ebook and an audio program and a mix of other things too that walks you through getting started. Another course is a pricing specific course that walks you through how to optimize your pricing and really get to the point where you're making a, a high income per hour where you're averaging, you know, 80, 90, hundred dollars an hour for your services. And a marketing course where I teach you how basically the exact system that I use to generate all of my leads. So you get that whole package. It's kind of there. It's really all the same thing as far as it's all one goal of starting a profitable and enjoyable handyman business. Right. But the I love the way it's, yeah, go ahead. No, I said, I love the way that though you've broken up the marketing and the pricing specifically, because as we have just talked about, those are where you see a lot of the common, a lot of mistakes you made that you learn from and that, that other people can avoid. Absolutely. And some people don't need the startup guide. Some people have their marketing dialed in and their, but their pricing is just messed up and they're not generating enough profit. So I've, right. I've bro- the only reason it's broken up instead of just in one course anyway, is because a lot of my customers are existing handyman who have been running their business for 10 years and they, they're, they're tired of not making enough money. So, right. you know, they come, they come to me, but anyway, that, that whole course, the bundle, it includes all three of those programs. And normally if you were going to invest in those programs, it's going to cost you about $1,172, but I've put together a discount where you can save up to 33%. And, um, it's just 12 payments of 79 and you can get that at handymanstartup.com forward slash H-O-B, which stands for how of business. So handymanstartup.com forward slash H-O-B. And it'll take you to that page where it'll show you, you get the three programs and it's just 12 payments of 79, or you can pay in full, save even more. And it's just 793. Great offer. This is a great opportunity. You know, I've had a chance to review this content. I've had several conversations with Dan. So I, I've, that's the reason I've established this relationship with him. And then not only is it the, there's a full price, very accessible, but if that's not what you're ready to spend now, the ability to pay it over 12 months, you don't see that very often. So that is a great advantage to be able to spread that out. I mean, heck, you can get started. You could be well into generating and, and having started your business before you're done paying. So it's 
It's a wonderful way to spread that cost out. And of course, as you all probably well know, may not know, you can write that off. That's a legitimate business expense. So this is a great opportunity. You can go to Dan's website, or I will have a link to it on the show notes page at thehowabusiness.com. So you'll find it either place. This has a a limited time on it though, right? December, we're going to run this until December 15th. So a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's good for about two weeks after this airs until December 15th. And then after that, if you go to that same page, I'll still have some sort of free download or or free something to give your listeners if they listen to this a little bit late. So I'd still recommend checking that out. Absolutely. Yeah. If you happen to be listening to this after December 15th, there's still some bonuses there. So please do still check it out. Still a great, great value. Even at the full price, this is just a unique opportunity here over the next couple of weeks. And that will expire. That's not something I have control over. So that will expire. So that's not a fake deadline that really this special offer will go away on December 15th, 2021. Dan, thank you for that. Thank you for putting that together. I know you don't usually bundle that together. So that's a tremendous opportunity for us. Thanks for putting that together. Absolutely. I'm just happy to to be able to get on your show and hopefully share this opportunity with people who, you know, might be similar in, in similar shoes that I was where they're, you know, looking to escape a job they hate or trying to find something that's more fulfilling than working at a desk. Yeah. And so that, you know, I always ask what's the takeaway, but I think that's the takeaway. Is there anything else you would add to, you know, what do you want us to take away from this conversation that we've had about potentially starting a handyman business? Yeah. I think that starting a business is, is a very approachable and realistic thing for people to do. Don't listen to stats about 90% of businesses failing or any of that stuff. If you start a proven business model, like a handyman business, and there's a lot of other service businesses that are proven, it's a matter of showing up and executing on best practices and doing it consistently. Your business will grow and you'll probably find a lot of fulfillment in that process. Well said. Love that. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. So if you want to learn more, uh, learn more about me, you can go to handymanstartup.com. You can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash handymanstartup. And again, on that same URL where you can get that special offer, handymanstartup.com forward slash H-O-B. Brilliant. Dan, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for sharing uh, all of these insights and tips. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Daniel Perry. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.